Happy Good Friday, everyone. We are here again in this uh, amazing time. And I was just pondering and thinking how that while we're in the right in the midst of uh, a world national crisis, shaking pandemic, uh, confrontation of darkness, uh, how it is not coincidental that right in the very middle of it all, right when things are being determined, breakthroughs are happening, deep deception and darkness surrounding everything being confronted that uh, it is a time where as we go into these next three days now, they coincide the, the Hebraic Passover with what we would call the Easter weekend, which of course is not a biblical term, but uh, the, the redemption weekend where uh, today we remember what Jesus did on the cross and then Resurrection uh, Sunday uh, becomes a big deal and you feel like there's some level of uh, transition into into the resurrection power that we will be heading into. And, um, but before we do, and as part of our communion uh, today, I was um, actually just reading right before we got started um, out, of, out of Luke. And, you know, every one of the Gospels has it a little different how, how the final moments of the Lord were. And um, what the last words were, but uh, uh, actually it was John, or I was um, reading these final words, John 1930, um, where his last words were, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. And so much in there, it is finished. You know, what, what was finished? What is, what is the it? What was finalized and accomplished at that time. And it's not a, a great revelation or secret. I think it's all under it's understood that the redemption price for mankind was completed at that time. And um but it's good to ponder and remember that this the day we celebrate Good Friday is a day where the final declaration of God um, in the flesh through Jesus uh, before um, then going, uh, being buried for three days was, it is finished. And we know when he came back, Matthew 28, um, verses 17, 18, you know, when he connects with his disciples to him, he, he announces a new reality. Um, All authority in heaven and in earth is mine, and there was a go therefore. And we can say, well, he had it all along. Um, yes and no. You know, Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, we see in the temptation of Christ that the devil is bragging. He comes to him and he takes him to a high mountain, takes Jesus to a high mountain and shows him the kingdoms of this world and their glory and says, these have been given to me and I give them to whoever I want, you know, bow down before me. And so Though he is a liar, Jesus did not tell him he was a liar at that point. He just said, get thee behind me, Satan. 
And we understand that there was, something was lost in the garden through sin, through sin of Adam and Eve, something was lost. And um, though God has always been the creator of the world, there was something legally lost through the sin of man. And there was a price that was needed to be paid. And, and you know, the Passover celebration we talked about, um, and that many of you know about, that Chris and Justice spoke well about in the podcast they did. It, it was uh, in that very first uh, Passover over 3,000 years ago that they learned the price of redemption was a, a spotless lamb, a spotless male lamb. And the blood of the spotless male lamb could atone for the sins. And then as we look at it in the in the straightforward New Testament context, Jesus, the spotless lane, lamb that was slain uh, for the sins of the world. And so the, in that it is finished was there is no more price to be paid for the redemption of mankind. It is not the blood of Jesus plus something else. All authority and power are given to me in heaven and earth. Jesus now could legally say, you know what? There's a price that's been paid for all sin, past, present, future. And so the earth is fully the Lord's, not just <clears throat> creator's right, but redeemer's right. So there's no more price to pay for the earth now becoming that which contains the fullness of the Godhead, the fullness of his glory, that the whole earth can be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. It was finished with what he did on the cross. And it's just such a powerful thing to remember so that, good. yeah, that we, we are able to connect and partake of a victory that was gained 2000 years ago, that it was the ultimate sacrifice he gave his all uh it was a brutal death it was bloody and in that there really was something that was accomplished it wasn't well this is it is my present stop got stop stop gap measure it wasn't a stop gap measure it wasn't okay we ensured we can survive a little longer no it was finished the price was paid. It's kind of the reverse of what we do with our mortgages on our home. We put a down payment and then we pay forever. And um, then one day later, it's done in most cases, you know, theoretically 30 years later or whatever. He paid the whole price up front. And it's now just a matter of the enforcing of the price that was already paid. And much like uh, it comes to mind after World War II, where the United States and the Allies had uh, Japan and um, nations. Well, after that war, the, uh, the Japanese surrendered, and there was white flags everywhere, but they would come across islands that were owned by the Japanese where the commander there had not heard about the surrender, and so there had to be uh, an enforcing of a victory that had already been taken place. And so um, if if he didn't buy into uh, the reality that they had lost, then uh, they would take it by force, but generally, legally, when they could become convinced that uh, the Allies definitely had 
had won, then there was a, a putting down the rebellion, we'll say, uh, the opposition, the illegal rulers on those places. And so we have a lot of illegal rulers in society on the seven mountains. And sometimes they just lack sons and daughters of the king to arise and say, hey, you're illegal. You're done for. You have no more authority. I think sometimes we slip on that and and, and think that we re-give authority to the enemy through our sin on the tops of the mountains and that some other price has to be paid. There's no more price to be paid. It is finished. No more judgment. Yeah. And so now what does have to be brought to bear, just like in the original Passover, you know, there was a lamb that was slain and his blood needed to be applied. And so if we don't apply the blood, um, then, mm-hmm. then it can be where we don't receive the benefit that was brought to us. But there is no need for another lamb or another blood price to be uh, shed. It's just a reminder to again uh, uh, submit to the full price that was paid, the full redemption price that was paid, and and apply that to ourselves and take it where where we go. And so we never want to forget that it's not just, um, you know, I think sometime, well, Armageddon, there's the big day, the big battle is in the future. The big battles of the future are of a different nature. The big battle of all time, that which secured kingdoms, the kingdom, heaven and the kingdom's uh, destiny for forever was settled by the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Before the world was ever created, he knew this was going to be what was required. And so in that in that price, uh, and it was surely a price he paid over multiple years, the final brutal part of it, yes, at the cross, but there was just the not being known, not being accepted, being rejected. As the scripture says, he came to his own and his own uh, accepted him not. They rejected him. And in his own hometown, amazing to be the God of the universe and have uh, a tiny little location uh, where you're actually identified with and they don't receive you. And so it wasn't just at the cross. It was really the sum total of his life, you could say, where he was not uh, in any ways accepted the way he was supposed to be, received the way he was supposed to be, especially knowing he is the king of glory, king of the universe. So the price, the full price was paid. It is finished. And now because it is finished, that's what he was telling his disciples Go therefore, go therefore, enforce it. Take who, who I am. Take the price that I've paid, and there's nowhere that there exists any enemy that they have a right to be there. Handle my authority. Handle the price that I paid. Carry it with you, and uh, everything has to be subjected to that. So that's that's what's that's what's next. And that's what's always been next since 2,000 years ago. And we're becoming uh, becoming aware and alive to it as never before. That it was not just, it is finished. Okay, I gave him a ticket to heaven. It is finished. But now go therefore, disciple the nations. Bring the nations under the understanding of who this amazing king of glory is. And so we want to be aware of that as we partake of... Um, 
as we partake of the elements uh, today. And so we're going to do that in just a moment. I just want to add a little bit in there just to complement what you just shared. That was so good. You were saying something about, you know, the, the enemy and how Satan took Jesus to that high place. And uh, I think you were bringing that up, right? About, yeah. Yeah, the lost authority and all of that. And, and what Jesus, what he did, he didn't t- tempt Jesus with, the souls he tempted Jesus with um, the remind me get, yeah what you're saying he said that you know the the point was he didn't go around uh, in the temptation says they went to a high mountain and he didn't say hey Jesus see all the souls there I will trade you you bow down to me and I'll give you the souls but what he he said the authority over this. He showed him the kingdoms of this world, the Basilea of this world, and their glory. And he said, these are mine. They have been given to me. So bow down to me and I'll give them to you back. So they were talking about that which was lost, not just those that were lost. So when I think of that which was lost and I think of the kingdoms of this world, why would God care so much about that? Why? What is it when we talk about him as Redeemer why does it matter that he redeemed? And I just go back to the simplicity of what God has always wanted from the very beginning when he created Adam and Eve. He wanted uh, companionship and he wanted intimacy. And you can't have intimacy without mutual relationship where both have the option not to choose the other. That's not intimacy when one is forced on the other. And even like when you talk about um, you know, God is, is, we're not, he still gives us a choice. He could have just redeemed everything and said, okay, I fixed it all. Now all of you can be with me for all of eternity, whether you choose me or not. Why does he leave some level of, um, influence in the enemy's hands? If he created him, why didn't he just get rid of him? Like what part is he playing and why and i think about the fact that if god just wants intimacy with us and that is basically what was lost in the garden he's not forcing himself on any of us Um, he wants us to choose because he values intimacy and you give someone a choice when you want it to be genuine and real and authentic when you value real knowledge of each other you give each other the option to choose to not know each other. And so when I think of redemption, I think of what was lost. And I think of Adam and Eve, basically, when they ate of that supernatural fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they activated in themselves and the rest of humanity that would live after them, all of us, This um, they unlocked this ability for us to look at something or someone and specifically at God and and question is this good or is this evil is he for me or is he against me and so forever since then any circumstances we go through and feelings that come and go we water God down to that and we we wrongly perceive him so when you think about the enemy having authority really the only the only influence he truly has because he's no comparison 
to our God. Like he did not take Jesus's life. Jesus laid his life down and he laid his life down for the sake of pulling us, giving us the option to be pulled into this love affair between the father, the son and the spirit. And, and we can choose to be caught up into that relationship, that friendship, that divine friendship as well. But, um, Anyway, I know I'm kind of all over the place. In my mind, this makes more sense than it's making when I'm saying this out loud. But I'll get there eventually. So they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and it, it changed their ability to correctly and our ability to correctly perceive God from where we are in this earthly experience. So we have to, by faith, perceive the nature and character of God as being different than what the things that we go through in life tempt us to believe about him. And, and Jesus came to show us the true heart of the Father. He came to reveal a more clear understanding of what the Father is really like. And, um, and to fulfill the law, obviously, and, and to reconnect us, to be that bridge, to connect us to the holiness of our Father when we couldn't bridge it ourselves. Um, but one more thing I was going to say about that is when you think of the enemy and he's no, there's no comparison between him and, and God, he's just, uh, can be literally extinguished with God just saying, you're done. Goodbye. <laughs> you know, he created him so he can, he can just exterminate him. And yet why doesn't he? And I believe that the enemy ultimately, when he kills, steals, and destroys, the reason why he does that is because he wants to use that propensity that we have to to misperceive God's heart. He wants to to bring death and destruction and and anything negative into our lives, individually and collectively as a society and as humanity. He wants to perpetuate everything that that is still stealing, killing, and destroying because he knows that comes against the end goal, which is all of us knowing God correctly and perceiving his heart as a good father correctly. So the enemy stands there and he just, he just goes after the object of God's affection, which is you and me. And he tries to convince us that God is anything but who he actually really is. Either that he doesn't exist or that he exists, but he's just full of, you know, nothing but judgment and he's just constantly angry with us. And he's like, okay, I'll send Jesus just to fix all you screwed up ones. No, he, he, he's the father and we're sons and daughters and he adores us. And he, everything he does is motivated by love for us. And, um, so when I think of redemption and, and this being Resurrection Weekend and what Jesus did on the cross um, all those years and generations ago and what was finished, back to where you started this, it is finished. What was finished is he, um, he gave us access to the knowledge of God. And so every one of us, by faith, we receive the truth of who he is and what he's really like. And then we have the privilege of partnering with him in our short lifetimes to help show other people his goodness, his kindness, and his love. So when when you talk about Johnny, like, you know, take the authority and use it. 
that's how I see it. I see it as not like take the authority, and I'm not saying you meant it this way at all because I you didn't mean it this way, and it didn't sound this way, but I'm just wanting to clarify for, for all of us, you know, when, when we take our authority and we use it, we're not like, okay, we're going to show up and show this stupid, crazy world the better way of doing things because they're just all evil and they're lost without God. It's, no, it's, it's, it's wow, this love that has been that our hearts have awakened to and this God who cares so deeply and profoundly for us, a father who, who has given us a redeemer to restore us back to himself. He, he wants to be seen through us and he's given us these areas of culture, which I think are the kingdoms of the world that, that Satan offered Jesus. He said, you know, I'll give you these kingdoms. I think of the kingdoms as these specific areas where, where God was meant to rule and reign in, in government, in education, in arts and entertainment, in all of these areas, he's offered us this ability to partner with him in, in taking that authority that Jesus didn't give up to the enemy, and he kept and then gave it to his disciples and to us. He's saying, in this authority, I want you to go and take the truth of who I am and what I'm really like and show up in each of these areas of culture, each of these, quote, kingdoms, and display my love and my expression of real, practical, tangible love. And when you do, when you do, it will acclimate their hearts to see and know that there is a God who does care because they'll know us by our love. And love looks like something. So I just thank you, Jesus, for showing us what love looks like, that you laid your life down for us. You gave your body, you poured out your blood, and you allowed us to um, be redeemed to our Father through what you willingly did for us. Thank you for not giving up um, authority over the kingdoms of this world. Thank you for allowing us the privilege and having the patience for your sons and daughters to come alongside you and learn what it means to walk in the authority that you died for us to have. That's good. Um, so we're going to go ahead and um, step into uh, uh, the communion. But yeah, as Elizabeth was talking, just one last last thing on that. And... You know, it's sometimes hard to figure out what's our posture to be because the kingdom of God suffers violent, the violent take it by force, and then love. How do we, how do we be aggressive against the devil mm-hmm. and loving towards people? Right. But that's exactly what we have to do. Yeah. And it's like two two sides of the same coin, and it just depends who's being looked at. We see that Jesus was the ultimate manifestation of love, kindness. Um, and the people loved him. Everywhere he went, the people loved him. And yet when he faced up with demons, there was no kind conversation. There was no, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, you need to be going now. It was, it was, um, you know, it was a severe encounter. He called evil out, yeah. He called evil out. And then there is some, and they were particularly the uh, the religious leaders of that day, that were so... Um, 
so intricately tied in and connected in the web yeah. of the enemy that even as he addressed them, you know, brood of vipers. Um, Anything that misrepresented the character and nature of the father yeah. is what he would go ruthlessly after. And so we want to be uh, uh, aware of that because sometimes we're like, no, I need to either be in soft, kind mode towards everything or I need to be in aggressive warfare mode. And it's like, it's both, but you have to have your your Holy Spirit distinguisher really um, tuned in so you don't get those things mixed up. You you don't show that side and face of God to those he's fighting and contending and being kind for. Um, but yet it's really four powers and principalities that have come to suppress him. And then those that have become such yielded servants that they are doing uh, mm-hmm. the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, all right, we're going to... Uh, Passion of Christ. Take the elements. Thank you. And if you have them there, let's go ahead and, and do this. You know, I think one of the things we can believe together, and perhaps right after we take this, that'll just be a closing prayer I'll, I will do, mm-hmm. is a closing prayer that this be a reality for our nation and the world at this time. Again, we find ourselves in the most unique circumstances, even things of history where they'll call something a world war, World War One, World War Two. There were, you know, huge portions uh, of the world. Uh, I think generally more than half or whatever, uh, maybe even two thirds, not actually involved in the war at all, and um, and and yet it was called a world war. And there is just the unprecedented reality of the whole world being in this gridlock brought on by um, by a virus, um, a bioengineered something, whatever it is, God's in it. God's in it, and he's using it to shake things that need to be shaken, and he's doing other things. But I'm believing that today there is a it-is-finished work. Amen. Specifically as it relates to both the coronavirus and the economic shutdown. Well, the sinister plot behind mm. it mm-hmm. that there is, it is finished. Now, so interesting Amen. that Jesus said it is finished and it wasn't evident. It's not really three days later. It's on the third day. And so it's like the day after tomorrow because Friday it would be now and the, the, the third day would just be the day after tomorrow. And that literally for us, even if it's not seen today, the it is finished is right around the corner. The evidence of it. Mm-hmm. Again, it wasn't, it was Friday. Hell wasn't worried about it is finished. They're like, what's he talking about? It is finished. It's not finished. Uh, what's he thinks finished? And then the moment he resurrected, when resurrection power uh, showed up, there was just, you can only imagine the shock and devastation of hell. Well, there is such mystery in the fact that like God can do something in an instant, but what was he doing in hell those those three days? You know, there was something, something happening, you know, yeah. that I can't wait to understand and know about. But I, I feel like that even pertains to right now. Like there's something, there's evil being dealt with during this, yeah. this weekend. Yeah. Well... So I agree with what you're saying, totally. Well, and it may not have been, because that means they would have known. I think they didn't know 
They didn't know. The demons, Mm -hmm. Satan, didn't know until resurrection power hit them. They didn't really know Mm. what all he was doing. It's part of the, we'll say the early part of the third day. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the instant here, (laughs) it's like the gates of hell. He comes over and, you know, I think it's physical manifestation of resurrection then followed with him taking the gates of death, the gates of uh, the keys gates of, of death, hell. and the gates of hell, mm-hmm. and so we have there's there's some wider um, manifestation than normal of this of this um, redemption weekend taking place right in right in our midst, and and so we want to be one as we go into that. So we take the bread, which represents. His body broken for us. And we thank you for that complete, it is finished work thank you, Jesus. for ourselves in every way. Yes. Thank you. Lord, we remember again as we take the cup, it represents your blood. The ultimate example, proof of having paid the ultimate price. It is finished. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for that. We speak it over ourselves. We're reminded for ourselves, body, soul, spirit, our present, our future. And we speak it over our country, even as we're going to take this cup now. Jesus' name. So, Lord, we agree over our nation, over the nations of the world. We're hearing from our friends in other nations, and the shutdown is very hard in other nations. And again, they're not the the rescue package available that is available in this nation, and and much quicker being thrown into. Um, significant suffering. So Lord, we thank you and we believe you are hastening this matter. You are hastening this matter and that this timing uh, of redemption for mankind and a, a, a showing up of that in society at this time is, is orchestrated by you to take place in the year 2020, our calendar, 5780 in the Hebraic calendar. Mm-hmm. It's a time where you show your power, show your might, show that you did, in fact, um, uh, finish it all with your price on the price you paid on the cross. Yes. And you have, uh, you have already, it was already an Old Testament truth that if 10, if there were about 10 righteous in a place, you would not destroy a city or take down a Sodom and Gomorrah. And how much more when this planet is filled with millions upon millions and actually two and a half billions who call upon your name and are remembering you at this time, that the power of those that remember who you are, what you've done, and it's tied into your work on the cross and the it is finished. And so we agree with the accelerated uh, purposes of who you are upon the face of the earth and that today there would be something that it is finished as it relates to this storm, this storm uh, that you have used that's you have used even to assist us in growing next level faith and so many other things. This storm, it is finished. Even as you spoke peace to the storm when it was 
time to cross over with your disciples. There was a time you let it rage, and then there was a time you said, peace. We, we thank you. Your voice uh, is coming out loud. Peace to the storm. And that evidence will be uh, very soon. And Lord, you will show yourself as the God who rescues nations and the God who holds um, the lives of people and of nations, cities and nations. It's very precious. And so we look to you. We worship you in that kind of way. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, it just feels so, so important, these times of communion together. And we've loved doing it with those of you who've been able to join us. And we know many call in later and going into Saturday and then Sunday. Um, how powerful this is, as this all has been. And we'll, I don't know if we decided before, but we'll confirm to you by by Sunday if um, if this is the end of the daily communion or we'll or we'll continue um, further after I don't think we've had the discussion with Elizabeth and I mm -mm. specifically on yet on that yet but the Lord will uh, will make it clear it definitely doesn't damage us if we did this every day of our lives <laughs> <It's been laughs> awesome. nothing but uh, yeah so many of good. you have told us happy anniversary in oh, the yes. chat thank you so much we yes, are thank you. um more in love than ever that's tr that's the truth <laughs> we're ready for the next 32 uh, well we love you guys and we hope that you have a wonderful day and we'll be with you again tomorrow bye-bye